0: Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show.
1: Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. And we've got a great guest on the show today tony delani he's here written a couple books but first we're going to talk about no regrets retirement roadmap tony thanks for coming on the show
2: thank you so much for having me jeremy
1: yeah we got connected through linkedin and you got a great story a few books that you've written that i think are going to reach a lot of people are helpful for a lot of people on how to increase their financial knowledge and wherewithal and we're all about increasing people's financial knowledge here. The first one is called owning the dash. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Absolutely. So I've been in the financial services industry for just under two decades and uh, came into it right out of college. And in that time frame, got married, had two children and basically started a family. And my my focus has always been helping families. I've always had a passion for it. But back in 2015, I had a life event that really just kind of changed the trajectory for me. And unfortunately, it was a bit of a sad event. I had a cousin. His name was Greg Plitt, uh, P-L-I-T-T and Greg was actually very famous in the fitness world. He was on the cover of over 250 fitness magazines and just you'd look at him and then look at me and you wouldn't believe he was my cousin. Uh, he, he had a bit better physique than I do. But uh, unfortunately, he uh, uh, passed away unexpectedly in 2015. And after he passed, one of the things that he had during his life was a website where members would go in to ask questions on life and fitness and he would answer those questions. and as a way of remembering my cousin, I started watching those videos in more depth and discovered that a lot of his philosophies as they relate to fitness could also apply to the world of finance. So I thought, you know, how could I uh, serve as a testimonial to my cousin and just uh, remember him? Why not write a book about this uh, to, show, to share these similarities, uh, bring his knowledge from his world uh, into, into mine? And one of the videos that he had was actually on the concept of death and this idea of owning the dash. And the dash, in this instance, is on your tombstone between your birth and your death dates. And the idea of owning the dash is really just taking ownership of your life. And you have this limited time here on Earth and really making the most out of it in in terms of everything you do, whether it's uh, physical, financial, spiritual, relationship, whatever it might be. Uh, so it's, it's very much a mindset type thing. The, the official title of the first book uh, I wrote a, the, that I've completed in 2019 uh, was Owning the Dash, Applying the Mindset of a Fitness Master to the Art of Family Financial Planning. So yes, that book came out, had a, a great bit of success and um, just really inspired me to try to help others, help families in any way I can. And since that time, I've written a children's picture book that that teaches a basic financial lesson with with more to come, uh, more children's picture books. And then just recently, I launched the No Regrets Retirement Roadmap, which is a book that's all about the transition into retirement. So the first book was really written for young families. This one is all about the transition for individuals or couples um, trying to make that very difficult decision on am I ready and, and what do I need to know?
1: Yeah, there's so much in there. One, I'm certain you would prefer to have your cousin here around, and yet you are taking his life, his kind of mantra there of owning the dash and just spreading that to so many people. So it's just amazing to get to honor his life by building upon his concept there, the owning the dash. Uh, That's just uh, wonderful you're you're doing that. I also like too, where you are, you said this first book was for young families. Uh, so i'm just going to stereotype let's just say they're like 30-ish and newly married and have a one or two kids and then you wrote books to basically their kids like here's how a five or you know 10 year old maybe ought to learn about money and now you went uh to the next generation it's like you're talking to those folks parents so you're just helping everybody out here whether you're you know 32 or seven or 57 this is this is great
2: as i said the passion's always been families and it's it's multi-generational so when sometimes when there's one person in the family that really has a passion for it they they want to spread that word to others and sometimes it's really hard uh you know for for our lifetimes talking about money for a lot of families has been a taboo topic you know you don't want to press people or preach or or whatever it might be but sometimes having stories uh or books uh, is just an easy way to get a conversation started uh, especially with children if you have a book that doesn't necessarily talk specifically about money, but has financial concepts in the mix. It, it just helps to get conversations going and uh, really take that initial step, which I think is probably the hardest part in the entire process is the, the, the desire or the willingness to, to pull back the curtain.
1: Yeah, that's it, exactly it. Now, most of our listeners are around the age of 60 thinking about retirement. So we're going to talk most about No Regrets Retirement Roadmap for them. Mm-hmm. But for for those folks, they might be thinking about their kids and saying they need to get them a copy of Owning the Dash. G- give us a couple ideas, a couple of the, the parts of the mindset of the fitness master and family financial planning. What, what are some of the highlights that, that people can expect from that?
2: Sure. Well, going back to the idea of um, younger individuals or, or individuals that are newly adults or just getting married or just having kids, a lot of them understand fitness. They understand the the need to take care of your body. Uh, just in in the past several decades, I mean, that desire has become just more and more rampant. So. When you take something that, that younger individuals do understand and can relate to on the importance of if you don't take care of yourself now, it's going to get more difficult later. It makes it much easier for them to understand how these financial principles can also apply and how sometimes when you just break it down, it's a lot easier to pinpoint certain things you should be looking into. Honestly, just even thinking about uh, avoiding that scenario of saying, I wish somebody had taught me this stuff earlier, I think is probably the biggest piece. If we can kind of get those... Uh, conversation pieces on investing, on protection, on estate planning into the minds of, of younger individuals. Uh, then, once they've got it established, they have their foundation and it just, life gets a lot easier from that point forward.
1: Yeah. And it just, it's such an important thing. A lot of people we talk with are financially successful. They were hoping they imparted that knowledge of how to save, how to invest, how to be smart with your money to their kids. And sometimes you're looking at the kids saying, what, what, what happened? What went wrong? And I'm, I'm feeling like, and it's happened where when the parents try to maybe talk to their 25-year-old, 30-year-old kids about money, it doesn't get as far as they like. So here you go. Here's a great gift. Give your kids Owning the Dash, that book, you know, when they get married, when they have their kids, it's just going to be a helpful thing to say, here's an expert. And it might talk to them in a different way than perhaps the parents could talk to them.
2: Absolutely. And I I think that that's just kind of the really the key piece to it is a lot of times we want to avoid trying to sound like we're preaching to our children, uh, even adult children. But this is a way that uh, if they're reading it and they enjoy the book, and they, if, especially if they have kind of a a, a fitness desire in their back of their heads, uh, it's it's definitely a, a a book that shares information. But there is a story behind it, and there's a connection there, so it should kind of bring them into the world. And in the background, they're they're gaining financial knowledge and hopefully starting conversations. Really, what it's all about is getting that conversation started in a in an easier way for families because we all care and we all want uh, everybody to succeed
1: yeah definitely and part of that success is starting out
2: even earlier you have the kids books
1: i like the first one dash and nikki and the jellybean game where you talk about financial literacy it's like a rhyming format it, there's some interactive games now everyone listening to this it's going to be well past easter but easter just happened i have a bunch of jelly beans at my house tell me about this jelly bean game can i somehow turn this sugar into something useful. Tell me about that.
2: Sure. So the idea behind Dash and Nikki, um, my my children actually helped me write it. Uh, I have a, a soon to be thirteen year old. By the time this comes out, she will be thirteen, and a ten year old, thirteen uh, uh, year old daughter, ten year old son. And what I've discovered is that you know, a lot of parents do ask me, or grandparents ask me, how do I start talking to my kids? You know, this stuff doesn't get taught in school, and children don't necessarily understand money, especially young children. They, they understand the basic ideas, but since they don't make it or earn it it's much harder for them to kind of relate to it so my goal was to try to create a story that um, involved something that children can relate to which is candy um, whether, whether that's good or bad it's uh, hard for but my kids Yes, well, that's the thing is that you know uh, I think back to as an example with Halloween. One of my favorite things to do, and my my children's favorite things to do, is uh, after they come home with their their giant bags, they like to trade. You know, I, this is my favorite, or that's your favorite, and I'll, I'll trade you this for that. So it almost becomes a currency that they can understand. So the whole idea behind Dash and Nikki and the Jelly Bean Game is it's based off of a study that was done years back called the Marshmallow Study. And uh, what happened with that study is they put children in a room. They put a marshmallow in front of them and said, I'll be back in a minute. If the marshmallow is still there, I'll give you another marshmallow. And they just studied to see how the kids would react when they're left to... to by themselves with those marshmallows. So in this story, what I did is uh, we have a brother and sister, Dash and Nikki, who might happen to look very similar to my children. They wake up uh, one morning and a note is waiting for them, inviting to play the jelly bean game, where they start off the day each with 10 jelly beans. And they're told for every hour that uh, they can wait, for every hour that the 10 jelly beans are still on the plate, they will get five more. And uh, one of the siblings is a bit of a saver and is very excited and wants to win, so he saves. And the, in this case, the sister uh, is a bit more impulsive and she decides to eat her jelly beans uh, within a few minutes. And what we get to see in the story is just kind of uh, the, the impact of immediate gratification versus saving and seeing how much your pile can grow. And there's a little twist that happens at the end of the story where a brother helps his sister out and they work together. So there's collaboration, there's teamwork, there's patience, but really just the idea of recognizing that sometimes if you wait, you can have something much better in the future than if you just spend your jelly beans now or eat your jelly beans now. So, yes, the story is definitely meant to help start a conversation with young children on getting them to think when they're in that situation. Do I take it now or do I do I save a little bit? But honestly, it's also meant to be something that parents, uh, young parents think about as they're reading those stories to their kids. Are they, how are they teaching their children through their behaviors? Are they, are they acting like the, the, the immediate gratification child, or are they instilling those principles of saving and preparing for their futures and sticking to their goals? So it's, like I said, it's all about getting the the back of the mind thinking and, and having families talk to each other at various age, age levels.
1: Yeah, I like that you're you're doing the idea of the conversation. You're using one story, one concept to apply to a, a lot of people. I'm going to have to try out this jelly bean game with the kids, see how it goes. I'll let you know. And I'm thinking too, like you said, you talk to the parents. I walk into Costco and the first thing you see is a $500 TV. They always have it right there because they know how people feel about immediate gratification. You skip the $500 TV once a month, you you fully fund your Roth IRA. I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> That's exactly what the adults and parents are looking at right there. Awesome. Well, good. Well, let's, let's move on over to your, your brand new book. This just came out just recently. It's called the no regrets retirement roadmap. You've got some key to dos for retirement planning. You give a step-by-step framework, none of the confusing jargon. It's I think it's what people need to hear. And I, I got a chance to, to look at it. There's a few different sections in there. I'm just going to highlight a few of them. But let's start with i think it's even the first one you call it foundations vision and numbers what should people be doing with that
2: yes so one of the things as i said i've been doing this for for about 20 years and I think one of the hardest parts when it comes to retirement is sometimes we think about having to achieve a certain number or have it a certain amount by the time you retire. And yes, numbers are definitely a very big part of it, but I think one of the things that really has to be established first and foremost is what is that vision of retirement? And as you approach it, uh, it becomes a lot more um, uh, real that hey, this is this is all this is coming and is my lifestyle going to be the uh, we, we sometimes throughout our lives have these grandiose ideas of when i retire i'm going to take exotic vacations or i'm going to eat, eat out all the time or you know just uh, just do some unique things but the, the reality is that for, for many happy and successful retirees their structure is as important in retirement as it was pre-retirement so really having a firm grasp of what that vision is and what are the things that really do bring you consistent joy and happiness in your retirement years or in your pre-retirement years that you want to make sure you continue in your retirement years. And especially with couples, I think that really having a conversation on what is the shared vision, because a lot of times we we keep our, our desires to ourselves and in some instances, if that conversation is not had, you might have what what I call almost the silent treatment for the first year of retirement, where cu- couples are kind of, they have their idea of what they plan planned to do. And, and one person has one and one person has another. And it, it just becomes almost a, instead of we're working together to build this this retirement dream, it becomes kind of a, you know, almost like we're, we're frustrated at the other person for not allowing me to pursue what I want to pursue. So... It really is about understanding what you want in your retirement years, what that looks like. And then once you do know that, then it's much easier to kind of put the numbers around making sure that that, uh, those dreams can become a reality.
1: Yeah, you start with a vision first. The numbers are there just to back it up. And so many people get that the exact opposite. I've had people walk in and they say, I need to get to a million dollars. I run the numbers and say, well, no, you don't. (laughs) Like the million (laughs) dollars is actually not necessary for what you're trying to do and then actually i'm thinking of this person specifically and she got two million dollars i called her up said hey congrats you got million dollars she said well now i need two you know so <laughs> if you don't have the the vision if you're just focused on the numbers the numbers will never be enough i think that's why There's a huge growth in this thing called retirement coaching. There's so many different programs. There's even certifications in retirement coaching. Uh, We're actually going to bring on a few people that are retirement coaches and the person that founded one of these retirement coaches associations. So look forward to that, uh, all the loyal listeners out there. But I love how you've put that first, vision first, number second. And, of course, numbers are important. And one of the big things that you have a whole chapter on, it's called Taxes Saved, Happiness Earned. I love both those things, saving taxes, happiness. Okay, tell, tell us about that.
2: Sure. So what I would say is that the most successful uh, families I've seen uh, throughout pre or post retirement, there are two real big words that I focus on uh, or that I see are kind of incorporated into their lives. One is flexibility. So not being too rigid in in how you approach things or not confining yourself to to certain uh, this is the way it has to be or I'm not going to be happy. The other piece, though, is systematizing as much as possible. And when you're in your working years, you have structure built in, in terms of these are the hours I wake up, I work, I eat, I uh, do whatever activities it may be. Once you go into retirement, a lot of times the fear starts to build because all of a sudden there isn't a system in place. And that system can apply to so many things. The first thing is really the cash flow. You know, we're used to having a paycheck come in biweekly or monthly or however it might be. And then all of a sudden, I just have this large lump sum of money and I don't know what to do with it, whether it's that million that that individual is referring to or two million. <laughs> um, but it, when it comes to knowing, okay, this is the the vision I want for my retirement, this is the income stream that I need to generate, and really looking down at the numbers and figuring out, as you said, looking at somebody who's paying rent versus someone who has a mortgage that's gonna be paid off in two years. If If you know what the monthly income stream is, and then when things change, how to make sure you're prepared for that, that makes it very easy to figure out, okay, here's the income stream that I need to generate on that periodic basis. And then once you know what that income stream is, then the, the key question is, okay, where? how am I gonna generate the income? And with taxes, we there are different types of tax buckets that exist. There's a your taxable accounts, um, which are basically checking savings, regular brokerage investments. You have your tax deferred, which are your, your traditional IRAs, for pre-tax 401ks, pensions, things of that nature, and then uh, your, your tax free accounts, your Roth IRAs, and, and other vehicles. So if you know with the various accounts you have what type of tax structure they have and then you also know what your taxable income is if you know this is the amount i need to generate per year you can take a look or work with a cpa or with your financial planner and say okay i I want to minimize taxes throughout my retirement i worked very hard throughout my my pre-retirement years to minimize taxes but i don't want to just all of a sudden start taking tons of money out of an account and have a lot of that money being taxed at that highest bracket so if you know what the amount is that you need to generate on a monthly or annual basis then it becomes much easier to be tactical on what am i going to pull out of to minimize the tax impact am i i'm going to pull out only up to this amount to take advantage of for example the standard deduction and the the 10% or 12% brackets but if i can avoid that 22% or or something higher, you know, what is the strategy I'm going to use? So, there definitely needs to be a, a game plan around cash flow in retirement and around where that uh, income stream is going to be generated. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening
1: to the Retirement Reveal podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5StepRetirementPlan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Well, i got a feeling one of the reasons we get along is you've got your heart in the right place, your focus on the right area, you've got to figure out your vision, your cash flow, and yes, absolutely, your taxes are so important. People don't realize how much control they have over their taxes in retirement. And it makes sense why you don't realize this. The last 40 years, you've gone to work, you've made money every two weeks, you get your W 2 at the end of the year, and you just throw it into your tax return. When you hit retirement, you have so much more control. You can take money out in December and spend it in January, two different tax years. Just like Tony said, you can take money from a traditional account, which is taxable, a Roth account, which is most likely tax-free, or just a regular standard account, which is some mix of all of that. And you get those choices, same dollar amount, but you get all these choices in retirement. And notice how everything Tony's talked about so far, we haven't even talked about investments. It's all the things you have control about, your vision, and the way that you can save on taxes, so much more in there i want to finish up on something that's very very important and it's a chapter you have in the book called finding the right financial planner now you could make it easy tony's a financial planner so am i just give one of us a call i'm sure that could be the, the easy way to go about it but we can't help out everyone in america so tony tell us how do you find the right financial planner
2: yes I, I, it's a very um <laughs> There's so many different variables that go in just because it's hard enough to talk about finances in general with, with anybody. But when you go to a, a lot of times, what I've discovered is that when you go to meet with a financial planner, you're almost feeling like you're being judged for the decisions that you make. And I think that that's the first really big barrier that I would encourage all to to kind of overcome. I'll just use a little analogy of when I wrote the original book. One of the biggest things I learned uh, when I was writing the original Owning the Dash book was my cousin, Gray. I've... I, I was familiar with working out but my cousin Greg had over 600 different types of exercises on his website and I started to do his program in a bit more depth and I would go to the gym trying things that I had never done before and I was as I would go in and trying these things and being very sore and very tired and just kind of frustrated with myself. I would go in and imagine that all the people that were there were judging me. And I think we we do that all the time, subconsciously or consciously. We we tend to try to evaluate how we're doing compared to others. It's kind of like, I need to hit the million, or I need to hit this, or I need to hit certain benchmarks. And uh, in that process, there was one individual who was at the gym who basically had a physique very similar to Greg's, and he was always there before me and could lift double what I could lift. And every time I saw him, I would think, um... You know, this you know he's he think he's thinking less of me he he uh, he made me not want to go to the gym uh, until one day when i showed up and we just happened to have our paths cross and i said you know you're really setting a high bar for me and he responded back i wasn't expecting anything back but he responded back no 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 man i've been watching you you've been doing great um, you're really keeping me motivated And long story short, that person who I feared every day going into the gym now was a source of inspiration for me. We became friends and we motivated each other in that environment. And the reason I share that story is I think that a lot of times when it comes to working with a financial planner, the thought process is, is this person, I mean, there's so much information out there that says that uh, the financial planners are out to get you or this or that or the other, or don't be, be careful who you trust or what you trust. I think the first piece is that the reason that people exist in this profession, the majority of them, is that they do sincerely care and they want to help others. And if you go into it with that mindset that this person uh, is out there to help you, and you should never feel judged by a financial planner. If you're currently working with one uh, and you feel judged, you need to let them know or uh, possibly look at someone else. But this is all about your personal journey, owning your dash. So when it comes to seeking out a financial planner, the, the biggest things I stress is if, if you've never gone through the process before, one is uh, take a look. Uh, there's a site called BrokerCheck. Um, it, these, this is kind of the, uh, the check marks you would want to mark off. Looked on broker check, uh, finra.brokercheck. And this just kind of, this site tells you kind of if they have any uh, disclaimers against them or anything you should be watching out for, any complaints. Uh, you want to make sure they kind of have a, a pretty clear record in that area. Uh, the next thing you want to take a look at is how long have they been in the industry? Especially when you're planning on making a, a transition to retirement, you don't necessarily want to have someone who's just you know, been in the industry for a year or two. But on the flip side, you also want to be very careful uh, if you hire somebody who's in uh, who's been in the industry for 30 years, you, you're going to want to know what is their game plan for retirement. Are they going to be here for the next five years and then all of a sudden there you're being transitioned to someone else because they're retiring. So uh, finding someone who has tenure uh, in, in the field and has experience uh, is very important, but also knowing what their vision is and their game plan is for, for their um, practice. The third thing I'd say is that uh, when looking at individuals before you actually meet with them, there are different credentials that are are very uh, helpful to look out for. Um, Things like uh, Certified Financial Planner, CFP. There's a variety of other ones out there, but I would say that CFP is probably the most well-known and and well-respected. There's also CFA and uh, just a whole whirlwind out there. But uh, trying to see if they don't have any complaints on their record, if they have tenure behind them, and I think the final piece is, as Jeremy was mentioning, you know, focus, is the person a an advisor or a planner, uh, better stated? In other words, are they gonna look at everything for you or are they strictly looking at a certain area like investments or insurance? If they can take a look at your, your full comprehensive picture and help you uh, in certain areas, and they can't help in all areas, but if they can also guide you to the individuals like a CPA or an estate attorney that can help out with areas where they can't specifically uh, address those needs, you just want to have that person there that's that, that's kind of uh, there to help you throughout the whole process. And the final thing I would especially stress with couples is a lot of times there may be one spouse who is uh, or partner who is um, very interested in financial planning, and the other one is is not as interested. I think it's really, really important, uh, even if that is the dynamic for, for both parties, both uh, partners to be part of that process. Even if one is not interested uh, not so much in the, the money side of things, sharing that vision and discussing the game plan and what the goals are for retirement, it, it's it's a, it's a journey that you're taking together. So you want to make sure everybody's part of that as much as possible. Yeah, so
1: many great things right there. First, you start with uh, the judgment part where... I guess one part is, hey, we all just need to get over it, whether it's the, the financial or the you know fitness. You're there. You're doing way better than everyone else that's not there in, at the gym or in front of a financial planner. So just the fact that you showed up means you're probably better than 90% of uh, folks already. And that's maybe a sign though too. If you walk in and you're feeling judged and they're using big words that you don't understand, they're probably not the right financial advisor for you. I've also found people seem to not go to a financial planner Because they're afraid of, I got to pull together all my paperwork first before I can uh, even go. And uh, we don't think that's the case at all. Just showing up and talking with a financial advisor is likely going to help you with the vision area. That has nothing to do with paperwork or statements or even numbers, things like that. So those, those two things right there, I guess a little bit on your own end as a client is the fear of judgment the fear of having to pull together all the paperwork and having somebody look at all your uh, your, your numbers something that probably just needs to be gotten over because you're doing way better than everyone else and it's a great sign that when someone's judging you or making it onerous to work with them probably a sign they're not in the right place and yes definitely looking for the cfp designation, looking for uh, the broker check and seeing what that means. We've got a guidebook ourselves. It's called three things you should know before choosing a financial advisor. Uh, I didn't think or set this up ahead of time, but love that you have this chapter. So if you're trying to find a financial planner, check out Tony's book, no regrets retirement roadmap, or go to my website, kylefp.com. Check on resources and download the three things you should know before choosing a financial advisor. I think having that guide, having that person helping you out is so important. That's why I wanted to to finish on that topic is how do you go about finding that right financial planner?
2: Absolutely. And it's uh as i i often say if you can put up with the financial planner for the first six months because yes it's a lot of work it's a lot of trying to pull back the curtain and and bring uh, the analogy i really like to use is when you first go to meet with a financial planner it might be it might feel like you're taking a puzzle box and throwing the puzzle box all out on the table and in the first year perhaps the biggest objective is just to get a frame around that puzzle and every year it gets easier and easier but, um, it was just like me going to the gym initially, uh, going back to my cousin Greg's analogy. Uh, it, it's really sore. you're in a lot of pain. You're questioning if this is the smart thing to do, but the longer you do it and the more stability and and more of a habit you build, and the more systems you have in place, it just gets easier and easier and a lot more exciting. And those dreams start to really feel like realities and become realities before you know it.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Tony, thanks for coming on. This has been. Amazing. And as a thank you to everyone who listened to the entire episode, first three people that email in, I'm going to send you the no regrets retirement roadmap. So just email in to me, Jeremy at kylefp.com J E R E M Y at K E I L F P.com. I want to get this book out into the hands of people that are listening. Uh, And then, Hey, if you're not one of the first three still go out, we'll have a link to Amazon where you can buy the book, the no regrets retirement roadmap.
2: Jeremy, thank you so much. This was wonderful. And uh, it's, it's it's wonderful to see what, what your podcast is doing for so many individuals. So thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you, Tony. It's been a lot of fun to have you on. Thanks for sharing all your, your content, your knowledge with us. We'll have links to everything in the show notes. And thank you too for listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money, and you will make better money decisions.
0: Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.